Everybody here knows someone who's sick, someone who's injured, someone who needs healing in their body. And uh, we have to remember that this is part of the kingdom promise. Part of the gospel message is healing. The minute, and, and the Bible says that you and I are called to preach, but we're called to pray for the sick too. And uh, uh, believe God for that. We have spent a, a few weeks talking about the issue of uh, opposition uh, to that, what would sound like just a wonderful promise that who would not embrace the idea that God wants to heal us and, and believe God for that. Uh, even uh, uh, those of us who have been sick and prayed for healing and perhaps didn't get healed uh, at least instantly, uh, you would think that our attitude had to be, you know what, I'm going to keep believing God. But it's, there's lots of opposition. So we spent a lot of time talking about the thorns that choke the promise, that this is the reality of the world that we live in. We live in a world that tries to choke the promises of God. You know, I, I, forgive me uh, that you're going to hear a lot of boot camp references this morning because there's so much there. But, you know, we had just a tremendous boot camp. I mean, God really administered these kids and, uh, and helped them. Uh, but we all know that the simple seed that was sown and the way we operate our camp is to break up the fallow ground and create good soft soil so you can plant the seed and the seed takes root. But we all know that uh, once they come back uh, from the camp, how many know there are a lot of thorns that are going to try to choke the word? And that's just, that's the reality. There is going to be opposition. And, and so this is true in life. And so we, we began to look at some of the theological things because, uh, you know, uh, it's one thing for Joe Sinner, who knows nothing about God and is told that God can heal uh, and, uh, you know, working through that. But the, some of the most difficult uh, people to pray for are Christian people who have developed a, a, a theology or a way of believing that prevents them from being healed. So we talked about people who feel like, well, this sickness is good for me or this sickness is the will of God or the idea that faith, this is all about me and mustering up my faith and, 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 and how this begins to oppose uh, a simple truth and that is that God loves us and he wants to heal us. And we finished off by looking at that healing, like all promises in the word of God are partially uh, uh, realized uh, in this life. That everything that we experience in this life is nothing more than a down payment of what we're going to have uh, in the presence of God forever. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is the earnest of our inheritance. You know what that means? It means the down payment. Anybody here has ever bought a house? Had to put earnest money down on that house. You put that down, you know what that's saying? That's saying this is a promise. You know that $500,000 house I'm buying? These $10 are a promise that the rest is coming. And uh, you put down the down payment, and that is the earnest of our inheritance. And the Bible says that's what the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a down payment of heaven. So we take that, and it's wonderful. It is otherworldly when you are walking in the Spirit, when you're worshiping in the Spirit. Uh, but... It, it, it is only the down payment of a wonderful promise that's coming. And so that's the word of God. That's the promise of God. And so every time we pray for the sick 
and somebody gets healed, it is the promise that one day there will be no more pain. Amen. And so uh, uh, to somehow say, well, if not everybody gets healed, then it's, that invalidates the promise. It isn't true at all. It is the promise of God. And uh, uh, how many here honestly can say that since you got saved that you have changed? All right. How many here have, can honestly say, Pastor Ruby, I'm, I'm so right that I need no more changing? Okay. So what is it? Well, it's yes, you've changed. You've changed, but we're not going to completely change until we cross over the river. Some of you are like, what river? San Antonio River? You know, uh, no, when we die, the Bible says, then our, our corruption is going to put on incorruption. And so that promise goes and extends into healing. So this is where we've been. So we're turning the corner now. And what we're going to do, is, and I mentioned a little bit as we finished uh, last week, is we want to talk then about the dynamics of praying for the sick. And I told you last week that as a young pastor, I believed in healing. I was Pentecostal, spirit-filled. I prayed for the sick all the time, but I didn't have a whole lot of understanding. And uh, I expanded on that to say that that wasn't just true of me. That was pretty much true of all of us at that time. And it wasn't until my guess is the late 1980s that Pastor Mitchell began to really contend for healing and began to in his own ministry and teach on that. If you were to get his book, and I have a few copies, he begins to talk about how he underwent uh, uh, just a, a change and God began to stir him so that now when we pray for people, we pray with them with some insight and understanding. Most of you know that. You've been here for many uh, 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 times. You've seen many people prayed for. Uh, we were uh, really blessed to have Pastor Mitchell here in April and uh, have a Sunday school in which he talked about it, opened it up for questions. And so I know you know most of this, which I'm going to say you've heard uh, in sermons and everything else. But we want to just kind of walk through some of the dynamics of praying for the sick now and to help you because the whole purpose of this study is to build faith in you if you need a healing, but also to give you confidence to pray for people, to be able to minister to people and, and help them and feel like, you know what, if I'm in a situation, uh, you know, it's Father's Day and it's five in the afternoon and, uh, you know, all of a sudden, lo and behold, they are sick, you know, that you're, you know, feel confident to be able to say, I'm going to pray for her and minister and maybe pray with a little bit of insight and understanding uh, to help her on your job or wherever. We've heard some great testimonies in the Sunday school of people who have just shared stories about it on their job or, and, you know, a, a co-worker sick and goes and ministers to them and, and prays with them. And so that's the purpose of this study. And so uh, uh, I mentioned this last week just to, to reiterate uh, that uh, one of the questions so often is why are people healed? Uh, in third world settings that are, it's much more difficult here in, uh, in, a, in the Western world, America, Canada, Western Europe, Australia. Just, it seems like praying for the sick is much more difficult. And uh, the easy answer, of course, is the access to medication and, uh, and uh, professional care causes people simply to trust in doctors and in medicine and in science. 
uh, and don't really feel the need or don't have the desperation. And they're, they're, that's absolutely true. But what we talked about, I want you to put that up again, Tony, and that is that the Western world, man is a machine. If you can understand it, then you can repair it. This has become the viewpoint primarily in the West, that our bodies, we are nothing more than a very complicated machine. We are like a Toyota. And uh, if you could just get a manual and just go to the parts and then you can just fix it. And uh, we're learning more and more. And, and there's just kind of this attitude that this is how people see it, that we're just a physical machine. There's no spirit in us. Amen. You know, the, and, you know, I don't have time to go into it all, but the danger of humanism is that you separate man from his soul. You separate man from his spirit. If a man is a machine, then you can kill a machine. Man doesn't have a soul. And so there is that idea. And so they don't really take into account a lot of the spiritual dynamics. Now, we are hearing, I'm going to talk more about this in a minute. Today, you're starting to hear the term stress. If you're older, like me, you didn't hear the term stress very much. When we, were, when we were in our 20s and 30s. That is a, a much more modern idea so that everything is stress-related. And what, the, what it really is, they're finding out that human emotion is a measuring factor, and they can't distill that. They can't. You can't just go in and open somebody up and repair their spirit. And so psychotropic drugs, spirit drugs, is they say, wow, we can change and control human temperament and human emotion. And uh, we're paying a high price for that, mass shootings and things like that. So then the rest of the world there was, is the idea is that man is a spirit that resides in a house. That even pagan religions and everything else, there was just this understanding that there's more involved in the human personality than just the physiology. You're more than bone and sinew, flesh, there's things going on inside of you that are, have a spiritual root. So when somebody stands up and begins to preach Jesus and preach Jesus can destroy the devil, demons are afraid of Jesus. Jesus, the Bible says, cast out many devils and heal the sick. And you minister to that, it makes sense to these people. They, they understand that spirit realm, that spiritual conflict. And they may not understand MRIs and CT scans. They may not understand how chromosomes work. And, and uh, I don't understand it all. But to tell them that Jesus is stronger than the devil and that he has power to overrule spiritual forces that are causing sickness, they're like, I believe that. I understand that. And so we don't discount medicine. We understand it has its, a very important role in it. And we are blessed as a society to have advanced medicine. But how many know you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater? And you don't somehow say, now that we have modern technology, we don't really need Jesus, thank you. When so when we are praying for the sick, we pray for them with that understanding that there is a spiritual dimension to what goes on in people's lives. So we're going to look at that. Uh, let's see, I'm not sure. Put up the quote by Ken Blue. I may have mentioned this last week. Uh, he said, the real tension is not between church and science, 
but between a secular worldview and a view of reality which allows for the activity of the living God. See, and that's really what we're talking about, the, the allowing for the activity of the living God. A couple of scriptures. I need James 5.14. James 5.14. Mike, you get that. Gilbert, get Luke 13, 10 through 17 for us. And we're going to look there in the Word of God. Uh, okay. Uh, let me just start with this article right here. And uh, I'm sorry, if I did this last week, uh, I'm getting old because I don't, remember, I don't think I showed you this. The, uh, the real, listen, it's in an article in USA Today, a number of women were asked, where do you go when you are sick? Who do you talk to? About half of all women said their primary care doctor is their main source of healthcare information. Now listen to the rest. The other half reported as follows. 24% of all women learn about their problems and solutions from magazines and newspapers. So well, hold on, go back, go back, Tony, hold on. This, you, as you know, looking at that, that this is an old study. Nobody looks at magazines and newspapers anymore. We would, we would probably say Google, Dr. Google. All right. Go ahead. The next one, 7% from TV and radio, 5% from a relative or a friend, 5% from self-help books, 4% from school courses, 2% from a pharmacist. You know what's missing there? Anybody? Anybody got a, where's our microphone guy? Who, got a, who has a hand up? Anybody tell us what's missing from that list? Okay, Mary, right over here. Oh, hold on. There it is. You got to do it on the microphone, Mary. God is missing. God is missing. He should be our first source. Always. Yes. Okay. And so put up the verse now because this is what the Bible says. Go ahead and read that, Mike. We need to pray for the microphone. All right. Is any, anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Okay. That's the Bible instruction. And what Mary said, it's God. It's not so much the elder. It's the idea that is there a spiritual approach to healing? Is there a spiritual dimension to what's going on in my life? And, uh, and viewing things that way, that it's not just, you know, I'm going to go to, well, just run to the doctor, or I'm going to go to Dr. Google, or I'm going to cast about, you know, people, or, and, and all these sources, that the idea that in most people's minds, they don't stop and consider the spiritual dimension to all of this. Is there something... Going on. I had to go for a checkup a while back. And, uh, you know, I'm in there because I need to get a checkup. And this doctor's asking me, are you feeling stressed out? Are you, you know, and, you know, asking, you know, are you happy? Do you feel, you know, he's just going through this protocol for, it's like, dude, just weigh me and take my blood, you know. But here's this, and so there's this, this whole side of it. You know, you would think if we're going to talk about feeling sad or depressed or feeling anxious and all that, wouldn't you normally go to somebody that operates in perhaps a different realm than just medicine? Because after all, anxiety and depression and all that is, really belongs to a different domain. But, but uh, this is uh, uh, where we are. And so the truth is that many people fail to consider the spiritual dimension. So let's look at Luke 13 
Now let's talk about healing and the spirit of infirmity. Go ahead, uh, Gilbert. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who for 18 years had had a sickness caused by a spirit, and she was bent double and could not straighten up at all. And when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your sickness. And he laid hands upon her, and immediately she was made erect again and began glorifying God. And the synagogue official, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, began saying to the multitude in response, There are six days in which work should be done. Therefore, come during them and get healed, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the staff, from the stall, and lead him away to water him? And this woman's daughter of Abraham, as she is, whom Satan has bound for 18 long years, should not have been released from this bond on the Sabbath on the Sabbath day. And as he said this, all his opponents were being humiliated, and the entire multitude was rejoicing over all the glorious things being done by him. So this is a, a very, very powerful portion of Scripture because the Bible says here that there, there was a spirit of infirmity. The spirit of infirmity. And so here we... Look at this, one of Jesus' great miracles. So here's a woman who was bent over for 18 years, and she is powerfully healed. And so this is one of many healings that Jesus performed in his ministry, but it's very, very instructive because it kind of gives you an idea of how Jesus looks at people that are having obvious physical maladies. Uh, if, if you were to see a woman who is hunched back and walked that way, most people would look and perhaps say that she suffers some sort of a curvature of the spine. And we have medical people here. They probably could help us and explain the physiology of what, what's going on with her, that she is this way. And yet when Jesus saw her, he didn't, uh, you know, diagnose her with any physical condition. That isn't to say that if you would have x-rayed her, you wouldn't have found some physical situation there. But to Jesus, he, he saw that, and he saw it for what it was. It was spiritual. There was a spiritual problem that was working in this woman. And the language that he uses, the Bible says, he said, a spirit of infirmity. He told her, woman, you are loosed from a spirit of infirmity. Those are the words that Jesus spoke. He spoke a spiritual language. He spoke a language of deliverance, a language of spiritual power, that there was power that a spirit had over this woman that had brought her to this physical condition and that Jesus had more power. He had power over that spirit and he had the ability to loose her or untie her. You know, remember in the, in, the, in the verse, he talks about, listen, on the Sabbath day, because unfortunately there are religious people uh, that said that God can't heal on the Sabbath. That's, that, that ought to scare you because we have in us a legalistic bone that can make us think, get that crazy in our thoughts. 
that God can't heal on the Sabbath. And he says, listen, you could untie an ox or a donkey from the stall and set it free. Here's, a, here's their beast of burden. It's the Sabbath day. That beast of burden needs water. You got to drink water. I don't care if it's a Sabbath day. You got to drink water. But they had become so bound by, by the law that they acted like, you know, well, what are we supposed to do? And they said, okay, you, can, you are permitted to untie your ox or your donkey so they can have water. We're going to make that provision. And so they've said, this is okay. Jesus is basically saying this woman is tied to a spirit. This spirit is not allowing this woman to function normally. She's being deprived because she's tied. And he says, and he uses that language that I'm going to lose her. I'm going to untie her. That she is being, she's being held back. She is not able to enjoy life. She is not able to function. And he said, if you walked by and you saw a donkey or an ox that was thirsty, you would go and untie it. And so this woman, 18 years, she's walked around and she's tied to something. That's how Jesus saw this situation. She's tied to something. And if we could untie her, she would be healed. She'd be, it's something would happen to her. Imagine looking at people that way. If somebody, when, when, when you see them and they're, they're in need, they need prayer, they need healing in their body, to, to, to ask yourself, are they tied to something that can be untied? That there's a spirit that has can linked up with them. Now, we're going to talk a little bit later about how some of those things take place in people's lives. But what a different way of looking at things. That Jesus sees things that way and says that people are tied to stuff. And what I'm doing in ministry is trying to untie them. We just did this for an entire week with hundreds of teenagers as you're ministering to them and talking to them. And they don't, they don't, they, 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 they only see their problems. They see, but they don't see the spiritual that you can be untied. We're going to pray with you right now. We're going to ask you to forgive because a lot of people get tied up in bitterness. It's okay to say, man, Sunday school every once in a while, right? People get tied up sometimes by doors. They, they cross moral lines and teenagers, especially in our generation, don't understand it because the exposure level is so high because of the internet today and social media and gaming. They are so exposed and they don't realize that as they enter into these things, they're getting all tied up. They're all bound up. And so they come and, and, and we look at them and, and what God wants to help us do is say, say, realize these kids are bound. They're tied up and we can untie them. They can be loosed and be able to go forward in life. Rich, I saw your hand up right there. Anybody else want to just uh, add anything at this point right here? Joe and anybody else? Okay, Richard. I wonder why it is that some people um, can be a total crazy person, a, a nut, a flake, uh, you know, not even right with God, lukewarm, and they can pray for somebody and they get healed. 
And then you can take somebody who's the cream of the crop, the best of the best, gives and, and is the most wonderful person as a Christian, and everybody they pray for just gets worse. I'm just wondering about the favor of God and how to find the favor of God. And I'm probably changing the subject a yeah, little bit. I've been thinking about subject. it. <laughs> you're going to a whole new chapter, Richard. I don't know. Good question. All right. Joe? When you had that first... Uh transparency up there you said here's the western world and here's the uh third world or yeah. the fourth and the fifth and strangely enough ironically the they believe the the third world believes like the bible teaches that we're a spirit that inhabits uh, uh, a tent uh second corinthians chapter five paul says you know i, I got to get out of this tent and it, it's a dwelling place first peter uh, 1 13 same thing he said that that it's the biblical view. Yeah. So it, 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 is that uh, a, a factor that they, it, it, they just equate that? Yeah, yeah. we're, we're it, it, I, I do think it, may, it just makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense. Today, you tell people they're sick and uh, they're just, they're still got a spirit. They're like, you know, unfortunately, you use the word spirit in America, they think of the exorcist. They automatically associate it with, you know, Hollywood has, you know, they tell me they've got some new movies that they've done on uh, uh, demon possession. They make movies. People pay money to go watch demon possession. I mean, you want to spend money to get demon possessed. And so, but that's the association. So then it's like, what? Whereas over there, they like, yeah, I, I can see that. And they embrace it. So I think that that is... A big deal. So we're, we're talking about this uh, idea that Jesus looks at a woman and he sees this writer. Put up the New American Standard Version right here. It uh, says, Behold, there was a woman who, had, who for 18 years had a sickness caused by a spirit. A sickness caused by a spirit. The age-old question. So if I'm sick, is it because I sinned? Yes and no. Yes, you're sick because Adam sinned. And you're stuck with that. Sin came into the world. Sickness came into the world because of sin. Okay, that's true. That's true. Does that mean that you particularly sinned and got sick? Not, not necessarily, no. But we are uh, uh, vulnerable to sickness. This world is filled with germs viruses and microbes and I'm gonna stop freaking you out right at that point right there but this is the world that we live in man sinned death has come upon all men we, we understand that and so there there is this association there is this side of it that has to be addressed and so this is the language of deliverance Jesus saw a twisted body and he understood what was causing that twisting was spiritual and that if he would address that spirit, he would be untying this woman and allowing her to go free. So let's think about spirit and sickness. So I understand that, like I said, that a lot of times there's a pushback, there's a carnal pushback that it, uh, so what you're saying is it's my fault or you're saying that I'm demon possessed. And a lot of times they, the people tend to go there and they tend to see it that way. And you know, you, truth is, a lot of times you open it up, who needs prayer for healing? And there are people that are afraid to come forward because they feel like 
coming forward is in some admission that I'm a sinner, I've done something wrong, or I've got demons inside of me, and, and, and just go to this extreme, rather than realizing that we live in a spiritual world, and if any man is sick, let him call for the elders of the church. Let him look for a spiritual solution or consider that there might be a spiritual dimension to what's going on in my life. You know, Jesus didn't approach everyone the same way. Not everybody Jesus prayed for did he address and pray for in such, in such clear terms, a spirit of infirmity. Okay. He didn't always do it this way. And the truth is that when you're ministering to people, not everybody is in the same condition, going through the same thing, and are going to be ministered to and addressed the same way. Many times I pray for people, and I believe God for them, and then I'll talk to them, and, and, uh, and I'll ask them about, have you seen a doctor? What have they told you? Sometimes you deal with people that uh, have very little involvement with doctors at all. And, and I will tell them, I think you should go and you should get this checked out. I think you should, you know, that, uh, you know, is that unbelief? I don't think that's unbelief. You know, not everybody was addressed the same way, but Jesus still ministered and said, there, there is this dimension to it. Put up the quote, why not? Well, not all sicknesses are the work of demons. They all can be seen as the work of Satan. Okay, not every sickness is the work of demons, but they may all be seen as the work of Satan. Okay, that this is part of the curse. This is part of fallen humanity. Okay, every time someone dies, we are reminded of sin. We're reminded of the reality that this is uh, the human condition right now. And that there is a spiritual connection. Luke, uh, let me get out some verses this morning. Luke 4, 38 and 39. If you'd like to read, just please lift your hand. Robert, Mark 9, uh, Miguel uh, 25 and 26. Ruby, Matthew 8, verse 16. Proverbs 18, 14, Greg Johnson. Uh, let's look at these verses of Scripture. Anybody want to uh, contribute something right here at this point? The best part of our Sunday school are the contributions. Doris, Miguel, and uh, Roel. Okay. Oh, the, oh Veronica, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, I was looking at John 9, 3, and yeah. the part about the blindness yeah, who did and sin? how yeah. he asked, they asked the master, well, who sinned, him or his family? Yeah. Um, can you evaluate on yeah, that? I, I, yeah, I think the, 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 the important takeaway from that verse is that this kind of gives you insight into how people understood sickness back 2,000 years ago, that there was, a, they, there was an association between physical uh, infirmity and sin, that that's how they viewed things. Now, in this particular instance, Jesus said this was not the product of their parents' sin or grandparents' sin. And so, but... I think the important thing is that this is how they under, that was the world they lived in. They understood there was an association. And that goes all the way back to Deuteronomy 28. We'll get into that later. But they understood there was an association between sin and sickness. And they viewed it that way. 
And so they asked specifically about this man. And Jesus says, you know, he didn't do it. Just like there are lots of people that are sick. It's not because they sinned, not even because their parents sinned. But sin in general has opened that door. And uh, if you go to, you know, Deuteronomy 28, it's the great blessing and cursing chapter. And when they disobeyed, the physical uh, infirmity that fell upon them was very, very clear. Okay, but that's a good question. Uh, oh, Miguel, okay. Uh, Alina, uh, my five-year-old Liam was asking questions about science. He loves dinosaurs. And the only way I could explain science to him was actually all the things that God put out there for us to learn, you know, about him. Because we find so many things about him. But, uh, and it kind of got into a conversation with my wife is, is that we know uh, plenty of doctors and uh, who, one, who believe in believe in God and salvation and others who don't. And you see, honestly, those who believe in salvation and God, one of the first things they'll do is they'll push, do you pray about it? You know, let's pray for these things. And not that it's, uh, but it really transfers to their fiscal businesses. They're, they're blooming. Their patients come in, their offices are written, patients come out, they're better because their affirmation of faith shows not through them, but through their practice and knowing that it's not them. And you can read stories on stories how doctors, if they don't believe in, and within other religions, whether they're Muslim or, or, or doctors who just aren't Christian, will say, well, I can't explain it, so it has to be a higher power. Yeah. So we always get to these situations where, you know, there's that defining line of we can't relinquish the fact that we're still human. We have to deal with the science behind it and the, and the sickness. But knowing that there's a higher power or working in it, and sometimes we get so bound up, well, God's just going to fix me. And that's really not it. We have to believe that God put these people in place to help us get through these things yeah. because we're fallen nature. Man, man. Um, we're going we're gonna to look at some statistics about that here in a moment. Um, it's true. If you get in a serious car accident and you're lying there on the side of the street, you know, you want the EMS to show up. Okay. They're trained. They know what they're doing. We just finished a camp. We have a very good medical team who takes very serious what they're doing. Uh, and, you know, boot camp might be a great picture because we, we, they, they address things. At the same time, most everybody there is prayed for. The whole purpose is praying for them. And uh, I don't know if we count how many teenagers came into the, you know, our infirmary, were prayed for, and were back out in the field. And uh, some of them, some very dramatic healings. So that's very good. Royal. Uh, one of the reasons the rest of the world, uh, uh, they're more desperate than God and because uh, they have nothing, you know. If you go to the doctor in, like, in the Philippines, for example, you've got to have deposit just to see a doctor. And if you don't have any money, they won't see you. It's not like here in the States. By law, they, they can treat you here. So they go first, you know, ask God, number one, because they have no place to go. And if they go to the doctor, like I said, you don't have no deposit. They won't even look at you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's that, there's, yeah, unfortunately, there's this sense of no desperation, you know, here. In, in, in America, and uh, I've told the story about a guy I know who got in an accident, had a bad back, 
And I said, let me pray for you. This is a family member, relative. And I said, let me pray for you. And he said, no, my lawyer's taking care of it. And uh, so, uh, yeah, they, people look. They do, not, they do not have that desperation uh, to see it. Little side commercial note, if you fake an injury, you will get the injury. I got a, a rear-ended years ago, and I went in, cause, uh, and uh, the insurance company wanted to send me to doctors and chiropractors and all that stuff, and we're already talking about settling and all this money and all that stuff, and I said, ma'am, I am not going to claim an injury I don't have because I'm going to end up with it. Ask anybody who has a bad back, and they'll tell you they'd gladly trade uh, all the money in the world for their back. So be careful there. They, they, anyway, that's a little commercial break. All right. No, it really isn't. There's a spirit. Uh, infirmity is a spirit. So let's look at the connection here. Let's look at these scriptures here this morning. Uh, Luke 4, 38 and 39. Now he synagogue. He arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made request of him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and served them. Okay, so here is Peter's wife, mother. His mother uh, was sick. And the Bible says she had a high fever. And they asked Jesus. Now, you, in the narrative, like in Mark 1, it's the parallel passage. He has had an all-night crusade, done that. Afterwards, they brought him over to Simon Peter's house to have some... What are we eating tonight? Uh, uh, tortilla soup. And, uh, and uh, she's there and she's lying on the couch and she's sick. And they said, Can you? and so he stood over her and rebuked the fever. He stood over her and rebuked the fever. That, that's spiritual. He treated the fever as something that could be rebuked or cast out or sent away. He had, he just, he just there. Now, you know, remember, it's after church. She's hungry. She's supposed to have the food ready. Instead, she's sick. Jesus hungry. He didn't mess around. Yeah. Get out, you know. And the Bible says she arose and ministered to them, you know. And I know there are people that say that means she taught a Bible study. It doesn't mean that. It means that the sister could cook. And she, she ministered to them. But Jesus went there and he rebuked the fever. That is the language of deliverance. It's the language, a spiritual dimension to her sickness. Okay, he didn't just give her a thermometer. He didn't just get a, put a cold, a towel on her forehead. And I'm not, a, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we shouldn't do things. I'm just saying that he saw something else there that could be addressed spiritually. Mark 9, 25 and 26. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Keep going. Then the spirit cried out, convulsing him, uh, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And came out of him. So here, here is Jesus speaking, you deaf and dumb spirit. You deaf and dumb spirit. And again, speaking to that. You know, it's interesting to me that uh, in the certain communities, there's, 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 there's almost a hostility to this. There are people, uh, my, I don't know, my daughter, is my daughter in here? There you are. 
Okay, and so Raquel uh, was, uh, uh, went to school to be a deaf interpreter and uh, was involved in that culture. And they're, very, they're familiar with these verses in the Bible, aren't they? You know what, give her a microphone, Raquel, and put you on the spot here. Because, uh, you know, because we had conversations about all this back when you were in school. Um, my, prof my professors who were deaf, their belief was that um, the Old Testament uh, was more um, deaf-friendly and the New Testament was more um, anti-being deaf because in, when Jesus came, they prayed over deaf individuals and so they got healed, which was to them seen as not deaf-friendly, meaning that because they called deafness a spirit, that it could be cast out and things like that. Um, that it was like considered not deaf friendly because they wanted, they were proud of being deaf and they didn't want to change that for anything. And when I um, started meeting deaf people, I remember for me, that was like, I always thought about that. Like, what if someone comes to a healing crusade? Like, should I convince them to get prayed for? Because it was a very sensitive topic because deafness to them is not just, it's not, they don't consider it in a sickness. They consider it their community, who they are, a part of their identity. Um, and every other instance, you would say like a person with autism, a person with whatever the illness or the disease or disorder is. But with deafness, you call them a deaf person because they consider deafness a part of their identity. So when, you, when they read things like casting it out of them, it's like taking away a part of their identity. So that's an eye opener, isn't it? Uh, uh, you know, uh, yeah, it, it, to say to somebody, you can be healed from this, and they're like, I don't need healing. Uh, would you want me to cast out, uh, how can I, uh, some I common identifier of, of, of something that's so uh, in your humanity, you know, like, you know, uh, I'm going to pray for you right now and I'm going to cast out that Mexican-American spirit right now. <laughs> okay, we're going to, you, you're going to, we're going to, yeah. uh, you know, we, we, you, you, but people can sometimes embrace a particular infirmity and say, this is who I am. And to say, what are you trying to say that hearing is better than deafness? Are you trying to say it's superior? I mean, that, for most of us, that, that sounds pretty um, extreme. But when you're immersed in that culture, you realize that's what everybody's being told. And so here Jesus shows up and you deaf and dumb spirit come out of him. And so that is extreme. But I will say this, that when you deal with people in terms of spiritual dimension, especially over long term, a lot of times, people really do come to believe that is who I am. Okay, I'll, I'm gonna just gonna say this here. We're gonna run out of time and we'll pick it up next week because I got a lot of material here. But one of the things that from time to time that I have to minister to are people that have been particularly sexually abused. And uh, when that happens and they come forward, a lot of times it takes years. Uh, it's very personal, very private. Uh, and, um, but they, they, they have, they're conflicted about that and you begin to talk to them and you begin to help them understand the spiritual dimensions. This is not just about an event that just happened. The trauma of it is it's spiritual. If you were a child 
or you were subject to some sort of sexual abuse, even as an adult, the perpetrator was acting driven, was driven by a spirit, something in their life. We, I don't have to tell you that abusers abuse and people who have been abused abuse. And these things happen and it creates a lot. It, what happens is it attaches itself to them. It's insidious. And they don't know what is them and what is the spirit. And they start thinking, well, that's me. I talk to them about the sense of shame that they feel. I describe it because I've done it. I've talked to so many people. I've heard the same story. That's like, I'm okay, great day. It's almost like a cloud just can come over me. And all of a sudden I'm, I'm depressed, I'm dark, I'm, I'm withdrawn. Some of them, they, they become very, very withdrawn and uh, lack any intimacy at all. The Bible says that Tamar was desolate. The opposite happens. A lot of times uh, there's a spirit of, of uncleanness that drives them. They moves them sometimes towards promiscuity and perversion. And they're like, but the reason I raise it is because they feel like it's them and helping them to understand, you know what's going on in you isn't you, that's a spirit. That's a spirit. And that spirit is working itself in your personality. And, and they don't, and it's like, well, what, they, they come to believe this is who I am. I've talked to, I'm a monster. I've talked to men Pastor, if you only knew my thoughts, I'm a monster. And understand, no, this is a spirit. This woman walked around 18 years. Everybody around her just thought that's her. And Jesus said, that's not her, that's a spirit. These things grab a hold of people and they don't, and they don't, they don't see that they can be untied and set free and delivered. And so, you know, we're talking about deafness and the idea that people, this is a part of me, so much a part of me that this is who I am. And it's like, well, that's not necessarily the case, particularly in this subject we're talking about right here. So we're moving into a, an area that here, Jesus, this is how he operated and ministered and he saw this and that the spiritual realities can be addressed. Okay, uh, we're gonna stop right here because we have a testimony, Adrian. Give her the microphone right here. And she's going to give a, a testimony of healing. Got to stand up, turn to everybody there and testify what God did for you. Okay, so about two years ago, um, I had had some, some pain in my chest, um, particularly on the right side. And so um, I had a lot of pain and it would come and go and come and go. And it had gotten so bad to where... Um, you know, I, I would just cry. I would be out and about with the family and I just get this pain and I would start crying. And so Richard would convince me, you know, hey, you need to go to the doctor, get it checked out. And so um, I finally did um, make an appointment. And um, when I went, of course, you know, she asked a lot of questions. She probed a lot. And so she, you know, just asked different medical questions. And so, um, of course, she has to do the physical examination part. And so... Um, you know, she checked my chest area and said, you know, we do feel a difference on one, of your, well, on one side, um, maybe a, a lump, maybe a mass. I could tell she was very, she was trying to hold emotion back. So this wasn't just a random doctor. This was a doctor that I'd known for 16 years. She delivered each one of my children. So I could tell that she was trying to hold back emotion, but still stay very professional. And so, um, but I could also, what got me a little nervous was the fact that she, um, 
started, she had a sense of urgency about it. Like, okay, so we do feel something, but you know, we're gonna get it checked out. And she had this just sense of urgency that kind of made me nervous. Like, well, we need to, we need to have a mammogram. We need to have, um, you know, we need x-rays. We need an ultrasound. And so, you know, I, I said, okay, well, let's do this. And so I began to pray to God, you know, God, you can do this, you can heal me, whatever this is, if you could just look upon me, I can be healed, my faith is in you. And so I kept praying and praying this. And so one day, I, oh, so I made the appointment and the appointment was uh, probably a week later, that's as soon as they could get me in. And so um, I'm downstairs one day at home and I'm helping my son with homework. And so my husband comes from down upstairs and says, Let, I need to pray for you. And so. Um, I'm like, okay, let's, let's pray. And so he says, um, he t gives me, he opens the Bible and says, I'm going to give you the scripture God said to give you. And I said, okay, so it's the scripture that everyone knows, Mark 5:25. Um, daughter, your faith has made you well, be in, go in peace and be healed of your inflictions. So of course I'm, I'm, I'm already, you know, crying and weeping by now. I'd been believing God for weeks already. And so um, you know, he began to pray for me and the Holy Spirit just comes down and I'm, I'm powerfully speaking in tongues and so I knew that I knew that I um, you know had been healed at that moment after that I had no pain but I still go to the doctor obviously and so I go get the checkup they do a mammogram they say you know okay so um, we have to have some um, other tests done so they do an ultrasound so they after that they say well I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna we're gonna get send these pics to the radiologist depending on what they say we might have to do further investigation and so I'm um, you know I'm kind of waiting a couple of minutes they come back and they say um, no you're good to go and so a week later um, I get a letter from the place and they say you're there's nothing wrong with you no pain no lumps oh, yeah. no um, nothing. So um, I give all the glory to God. He can heal, you know, everybody here just like me. We just need to trust and have faith in, in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let's stand. Amen. We're, we're praying and saying, God, you help us. Help me to look at life from a spiritual dimension. Amen. Uh, you know, you're going to go to work. You're going to go to school this week. You're going to go to places. And you're going to see a lot of people that are tied up. They're tied up, and because of that, they're being deprived of what they can have, amen, and God will give us the ability and the insight. Let me just say this. You and I have authority. That authority does not, is not rooted in ourselves. It's rooted in the finished work of Calvary's cross, what Jesus Christ did for us. In his name, demons are subject unto us. We have power to minister and pray and deliverance. And so we'll, we'll pick this up next week, but we're going to pray right now. We're going to believe God for his power. If you're sick in your body right now, you heard what our sister said, you know, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to take authority for God's power. Let's pray. Father, we plead the blood right now for a miracle of healing. We thank you that you are a controller. We give you praise that you are far above every principality and every power and every authority. We rebuke infirmity. We rebuke sickness. We rebuke violation. Father, we plead the blood and bring deliverance in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. We'll be getting started in a few minutes. The Lord bless you.